fiber-rich foods or prebiotics are the number one gut-healthy thing you're not eating enough of. According to the USDA, more than 90% of women and 97% of men do not meet their recommended intakes for dietary fiber. Supergut makes getting this essential nutrient back into your diet easy and delicious with award-winning foods that are clinically proven to boost gut health and all that comes with it. Go to supergut.com and use code Ethan to save 20% on your first order. That's S-U-P-E-R-G-U-T dot com, code Ethan, to save 20% on your first order. Hello, and welcome to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Today we're talking about the movie The Untouchables from 1987, starring Kevin Costner. Um, oh my God, I just forgot <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Andy Garcia. And Andy Garcia. I, I didn't forget his name because he's my favorite. I was saving him for last. <laughs> and who else? Robert De Niro. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm fixated on Andy Garcia. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. How are you, Holly? I'm all right. How are you doing, Sarah? Good. You ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. I feel like this movie is also a departure from our typicals, but we're doing Hollywood hunks and there are several hunks in here. So we get three and a half hunks. (laughs) Who's the half? Robert De Niro. (laughs) I mean, I think we can all admit that he's not a hunk in this movie. No, but he is sometimes. Yeah, some would say. All right, so write to us if you think Robert De Niro is a hunk sometimes, <laughs> all the time, or never. Yeah, I'd like to know. I kind of don't know where to begin. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll do a, a short summary. Oh, okay. So thanks. basically, The Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma, Al Capone, he rules Chicago. Elliot Ness comes into town. He meets up with Jim, a beat cop, and together they form the Untouchables, a group of four men. One of them's an accountant. Crack shot. They're going to beat Capone. The accountant goes, I know how to get him. Tax evasion. Al Capone kills two people and goes, ha, Untouchables touched ya. Not a direct quote. Al Capone ends up in jail. Elliot Ness is like, I'm a family man. Here I am being a good guy all the time. I don't take bribes. I win with integrity. Al Capone died in jail. Oh, I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. Did he have syphilis? I think he did. Did he die from that? Or did he have a heart attack or something? I should know this. I don't know. Oh, my God. How is the summary? Good. Pretty much sums it up. Okay. I think everyone knows the story. Yeah. It's like they get him on tax evasion, which seems so crazy after all of the terrible things that he's done, but they couldn't pin anything on him. And so really, it's like a miracle they were able to do that. Yeah. And the accountant, he's an accountant FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this is pre-FBI, so I don't exactly remember what it was called, but in the movie. Yeah, so, and isn't 
um, Kevin Costner or Elliot Ness, like with the treasury department, he's not even like a normal person that would be doing sure. this. <laughs> like how we don't know. <laughs> oh my God, I, I forgot everything. <laughs> well, okay. It doesn't matter. He's a lawman. Everyone knows. Yeah. He's a lawman. <laughs> Everyone knows. He's Elliot in time Ness. to clean stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Some federal agency that yeah. he works for. <laughs> and then Al Capone is like, I'm responding to the will of the people. I'm a businessman. And then he's I like, mean, and he's not wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The will of the people. They want their alcohol and he's getting it for them. Mm-hmm. It's prohibition. You can't mm-hmm. buy alcohol legally. You get forced into buying nasty green beer or mm-hmm. they blow up or a Capone's mob blows up your shop. Including a tiny little girl who's there innocently. Green beer is for St. Patrick's Day. That's it. Bottom line. <laughs> no other time. Or you're forced to drink like a bathtub gin that could make you go blind or something. You know, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. During and, those days. And you hear like crazy stories about prohibition people people during the prohibition that drink and then like murder there's like some crazy stories from prohibition times and it's like yeah you're drinking poison you don't know some guy just decides hey i'm gonna make my own alcohol and then (laughs) people buy it and it's like (laughs) it's his first batch he did not know what he was doing (laughs) now you're blind sorry prohibition and then also there i saw the story where there were people who were like trying to supplement it with um substances that they already had so that they didn't have to pay for new ingredients and someone was using like uh kodak film developer Mm. fluid or something in it and that was killing people it's just like how you when you buy drugs off the street now you don't know what you're getting like you can think that you're buying one drug and it's laced with something else and then suddenly you're like naked in the street trying to eat someone's fingers off and you're like wait I thought I was just trying to smoke some weed tonight and now I have a felony charge because someone put like PCP in it you know yeah it's like that (laughs) or just the way crystal meth is made yeah exactly (laughs) all of that you don't know what you're getting I mean there is a place for regulation okay (laughs) it serves its purpose sometimes yeah. So, well, well I mean, Elliot Ness, <laughs> he's like, he's like sent there to clean up this Capone mess. And it's like, mm-hmm. but it's a mess that the government helped create. The cops are all in on. Mm-hmm. So everyone yeah. is profiting. The system is still profiting off of it being illegal in a way it's like prohibition creates more jobs for cops because they get to be glorified in the media when they do something to save or they do a drug bust but then behind the scenes they're being paid off by the mob by Capone's guys Mm -hmm. to not act and that's what Elliot Ness comes in on. Everybody is with Capone. Everybody says to Capone, like, 
a 10 year old girl you know it's like how do you answer for this he's like you can get by with a kind word and a kind gun and I was like that's exactly how I got you to do this podcast what all right it worked (laughs) no it's just like it's such a bully you know he's a bully oh totally and but he's he's like mr charming yeah he's mr charming he's got the media eating out of his hands they're following him around everywhere he's like a celebrity and he's got all these other people doing his dirty work for him and he's good at what he does he publicly takes care of people Mm -hmm. so he looks like he's standing up for the community right with his good deeds Mm -hmm. and charity he's basically like an unelected politician (laughs) yeah he's like the boss of the town so basically Elliot Ness comes in and he's like you said he is gonna stick to his guns he's gonna be above board a straight arrow no bribes no baloney I'm cleaning up the streets. I'm following the rules. And him and just a small bunch of men taking on this big, scary underground organization seems very uh, scary. It seems very dangerous. And I don't know how they did it. I would be afraid all the time. I mean, how yeah. did they do it? Because they know everyone. Like the the mom has connections to everything. Wherever you're living, they're gonna know where you live. So in the movie, like when the task force is first starting, then one of the committee members, um, like a town councilman or city councilman, comes and is like, "Oh, I hear what you guys are doing. It's really great." And then he like asks to be alone, and then tries to bribe Elliot Ness like right off the bat, and then. Elias is like, get out of here. We don't do that. Or he calls everybody else in to see what's going on so they can see that he's trying to be bribed. And the guy is just like basically telling him, like, you're basically signing your own death warrant. Like, just take this money and get on with it and let business go on as it's been going on because this is not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. But Elliot won't have anything to do with it. And he's like, no, I'm here to do my job. And I have to say, like, that would be a tough choice. Well, and it's Della Close, who's like a father of improv. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the guy who plays the alderman. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty neat. I was like, hey, that's Della Close. That's cool. Um, For all you improv fans out there. Yeah. Deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you can't let people murder people and be bullies Mm -hmm. um and I liked how Ness made a couple comments that were along the lines of like you know basically like I'm gonna have a drink whenever prohibition goes away yeah I did read that he became possibly an alcoholic later well I mean geez look what he had to put up with yeah But I just kept going back to like the problem of how the government 
regulation is what created all of the violence in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that the the prison like the prison industrial complex mm -hmm. bread and butter is made from laws that tell people how they can treat their own bodies mm -hmm. so I just kept getting hung up on that for this whole movie so it was like while I was rooting for Elliot Ness I was also like Oh God, the fucking government. The morality police. Yeah. I mean, agreed. I feel like they should just let people do what they want to do, consume what they want to consume to an extent. Um, and every time they try to regulate things, they just create more problems and more criminals because they're creating the criminals by creating the rules that are going to be inevitably broken by these people who are addicted to substances that cannot stop. Even when a law gets passed, it doesn't cure their addiction. So <laughs> yeah, they're feeding the system. And you know that everyone who passed these laws, like 97% of them were drinking. Exactly. They were still getting alcohol from somewhere. And they could get the good stuff. Yeah, they didn't have to get the, like, blind you in 20 minutes stuff. They had the sashes because this stuff was already produced by the distilleries. And they had access to all of it. Exactly. So they were getting the legitimate source while the man on the street was just drinking whatever he could get his hands on. Yeah. And, and dying or going to jail. And coming up with, in the case of Kennedy, coming up with the war chest that was needed to get his son into office as president of the United States. Oh. Which was a presidency born of prohibition money. What? Yeah. Full I story. didn't know about any of this. Uh, I really liked how Ness gets a tip that there's going to be a shipment of Canada whiskey coming through. And then everybody the SWAT gets there everybody's like oh my god we're gonna open this container and there's gonna be all this liquor in there inside but no it was just umbrellas mm -hmm. and then this guy a journalist snuck in and took a picture and I was like oh my god this reminds me of when Geraldo Capone <laughs> secret vault special oh and there was God. nothing in it exactly I, I didn't even think of that we've <laughs> talked about that like so many times how did that not come to my mind yeah it's the Capone curse <laughs> that's that hilarious my favorite I thought it was going to be crates full of uh maple syrup <laughs> it was umbrellas yeah I know I remember <laughs> now but that's what I thought it was going to be <laughs> Just because, um, yeah, so that was a bust. So everyone was laughing at Ness. They were already pretty, um, they weren't really on his side even when he came to town. Like even the police were like, oh boy, he's just going to cause trouble. Because like you said, a lot of them were on the take as well. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a lot of faith in him and they didn't want him to succeed. So 
everyone was kind of relishing in this giant failure of his and laughing about it. Poor butterfly. <laughs> but he didn't stop. That didn't stop him. He kept going. And eventually they got another tip that was accurate and they were able to like stop a big shipment and they were able to get a hold of the bookie, mm-hmm. the bookkeeper mm-hmm. for them. And they pretty much threatened him into giving up the information. So he agreed to be um, a witness against Al Capone. And he was like, you guys have to protect me. <laughs> this is extremely dangerous. You have to protect me. And they're like, we will. Mm-hmm. And then they let the other accountant dude like escort him through the building. And then he gets assassinated because there were people on the inside. So the key witness is dead. And this is just for the tax evasion trial still. So it's not even like on other charges. Still, all they have is tax evasion. The accountant with Ness is, he's such a fighter. And he's really good during the shootouts that they have. Mm -hmm. When they go to get the real shipment of liquor, whenever the second tip's correct. What's interesting is that they turned it, the movie turns into a Western mm-hmm. for a little bit because they're up at the Canadian border and they're all on horseback with the Canadian mounted police. I was like, that's just a little bit of nostalgia that I found to be irritating. The music in this movie is really inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And it kept taking me out of all of the scenes. Yeah. Did you notice that? Definitely in that scene. I felt like it got very campy where I was like, what is this? Okay. Yeah. I was think, I think that because of the subject matter, I was just in the mindset of like, this is going to be more like the Godfather or... Goodfellas, you know, like have mm-hmm. that feel throughout, but then it took these kind of like zany turns sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't seem congruent with the rest of the movie. <laughs> zany turns. Yeah. It's like totally the accountant right. is like this teeny little dude, and then suddenly he's like, pew, 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 I'm a hero. Like, <laughs> I'm the underdog. It was like he's the cartoon character or something. It just felt very cheesy thank you okay thanks for confirming yeah with me I I felt that as well so Jim this beat cop he's this old can you call him Malone please Hmm? can you call him Malone Malone okay is that Sean Connery Mm -hmm. okay why do you want me to call him Jim I can't because when you say Jim I only think of him as Malone and then I'm getting confused Oh, and I wrote okay. down his name as Malone. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Malone. So <laughs> Malone is like, I wrote down Jim because it was only three letters instead of six. Oh, Jim, I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so with Malone, he's a sassy beat cop, and he is like, I'm still a beat cop, and whatever, man, I'm walking around my beat and he is like hey nessie don't throw your trash this is how they meet 
And then Nessie's like, hey, I'm I'm legal. And he's like, well, this is what Malone's first lesson to Ness. Make sure when your shift is over, you go home alive. That's how Jim Malone has been a beat cop for so long and kept mm-hmm. his nose out of trouble. So he's the wise guy. He's the he's the papa in this movie. And it's a really sweet relationship he has with his three men. Cause he like actively takes on this role. And I liked it because I feel like a lot of times uh, these days and for a long time now, younger people think that older people are dumb and they don't listen to anything that they have to say. Mm-hmm. And everything has to be about new ideas, new ideas, new ideas. You can learn a lot from people who are older than you. It's true. And he <laughs> did help them and he got some of the key information and he had the contacts in the police department because he knew that some of them were on the take, but he knew who to go to to get the information that he needed. Yeah. And then he had like that leverage against them of like, you need to tell us the information we need to bust Capone or I'm going to expose you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, he was kind of a key player in getting this all together. Unfortunately, uh, he left himself pretty open as a target after I, having done that bold move of like approaching the chief of police and threatening him. And yeah, I mean, Malone um, provokes the chief of police mm-hmm. in a way that when I was watching the movie, I I felt like, are you really doing that? Like, that's stupid, dude. And it's really out of character because he's extremely smart and actually the brains of the operation in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And he teaches all of the guys how to do a stakeout and how to wait relaxed but on the ready to fire so to have him be so careless as to leave himself open to a shot felt like a dramatic ploy and a manipulation that I didn't appreciate yeah he left himself open to many shots like 72 shots from a tommy gun (laughs) and he still survived and like dragged himself through the house um I guess he was trying to get to the phone I don't know if he made it to the phone he grabbed a paper to indicate where they were taking the accountant okay so because after the bookkeeper died they Mm -hmm. found the Al Capone's accountant who knew everything because they had this ledger but it was like in a code right and he could he could totally unlock the fortune Capone's men had him but they knew that they were taking him to the train station and so Jim Malone was going for a way to indicate where they were taking him because he knew the answer so mm-hmm. of course he holds out with like just blood spilling out 
all through the house where he dragged himself. It's all over him. Like you can practically smell it. It's like saturating the film. And it's really sad. Then they go to the train station. There's only two of them left. It's just Andy Garcia and Kevin Costner and a baby. <laughs> it's like two men and a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's nerve-wracking. I hate the sound of babies crying in movies more than anything. Mm-hmm. Horrible. I hate the sound of babies crying. This whole scene is horrible. I'm just going to say it. It's not good. Deep so pleasant. It's not pleasant. Yeah, so Sean Connery has the the information, and that's like the last his last act of life is to give this information to Kevin Costner so they can go get the accountant. So they're staking out the train station. The other accountant, the good one's already dead. So it's just those two left. Stone and Ness. And then they're staking it out, waiting, waiting, waiting. And the whole time Ness is like up on this upper balcony. And there's this mom trying to transport a baby and her luggage, which is like, I don't know how moms do it. Every time I see them in the airport, I'm like, how are you doing this? You're amazing. I can barely get myself together. How are you traveling with kids and luggage? It's incredible. And this mom, the baby's crying. She's trying to move like everything really slowly, one thing at a time. It's taking forever. And I was like, is this woman like one of Al Capone's men dressed up? Is she part of this? Are we supposed to think that? Because it was going on for so long that I'm just like, she's, this has to be part of the ploy or the setup. But I don't think it was. She really was just a random struggling mom (laughs) in the train station. Yes. That was getting in Aness's way and distracting everyone. So finally, after like listening to this baby cry and watching this woman struggle up like 30 stairs for 30 minutes, Ness is like, damn it, let me just go help her and get her out of the way. So he decides to go help her. And then of course, at that moment, then they bring in the accountant and Ness is like, shit, now I'm like holding this fucking baby carriage and I need to shoot this dude. And so he has to make the decision of like, so they they want to shoot the dude that's um, accompanying the accountant, not the accountant, because they need the accountant alive. Mm-hmm. But he's being closely guarded. So then Ness makes the decision that he has to let let go of the baby carriage in order to get this shot off. And it's like, so then the mom's like, no. And you see the baby carriage going down like 27 stairs so slowly. Yeah. It's like. The scene is so dumb and terrible. I cannot stand it. I was like, this is unnecessary again. It's so campy and just like, why is this in here? And the baby, they just keep showing the baby bouncing down every stair. And it's like, this baby is literally getting like concussed for the filming of this movie. So he gets the shot off or he's starting to um I don't know if he gets it or does Andy Garcia Andy Garcia gets it of course he's the best he saves the day but so the baby's going baby carriage 
down the stairs. Yeah. And then it gets to the very bottom and everybody's acting like, oh God, when it gets to the very bottom step, then something really bad's going to happen. And it's like, <laughs> no, he's made it to the bottom step. He's safe now. You can rest. Okay. Nothing bad's going to happen when there's only one step left. He's already bounced his way down 37 steps. The danger's <laughs> over. That was so, that was so dumb. But then like Stone, uh, Andy Garcia like swoops in and stops the carriage from hitting the ground. So he literally stops it from a fall of like six inches. And then he's holding the baby carriage in one hand and the gun in the other. And then he gets the shot off against uh, Al Capone's guy. And then you see like brain splatter onto the marble wall. There's a lot of graphic brain matter in this movie. Mm -hmm. A lot of corn syrup. Yeah, and like sausage or something. There's like, (laughs) there's material in there that's sticking to the wall. So (laughs) then it's like, the day is saved. They get the accountant and then they can go on with the trial. The baby's alive with a slight traumatic brain injury. (laughs) And the mom is PTSD. (laughs) But the trial goes on. And then Al Capone, of course, <laughs> they've paid off the jurors, which is like, duh, of course that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And you think they'd probably pay off the judge too. But I don't think that they did in this case. I would be so afraid to be a juror or the judge Ugh. in this trial. Like, oh my gosh. I would just quit. Yeah. But so then it's like, he's resting easy because he's like, I've got this in the bag his little main guy that's been doing all the killing for him comes in and shows him the list of like everyone that's been paid off. So Capone's like, cool, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. I'm going to win. And then that guy gets kicked out of the courtroom and then they find the list in his pocket. So then they know the jury has been paid off. So then they call for like a recess and the judge is like, comes back after the recess and is like, we're switching juries with a jury in the courtroom next door. And then Al Capone's like, loses his mind. There's pandemonium in the courtroom, but there's nothing he can do about it. No. His goose is cooked. And the trial goes on and he's found guilty of tax evasion. <laughs> it's so boring. I love it. <laughs> I don't even remember what his sentence was, but it's like, yeah, he goes to jail and then he dies in jail. And then like the next day, um, prohibition is fucking lifted anyway. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why didn't you just lift it maybe like two months before and save all of this trouble and just put Al Capone out of business? Ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. So anyway, that's the movie. Um, the best part for me was when they went to recruit little baby Andy Garcia. Oh my God. And he was like doing his police trials and he was wearing this little sweatsuit. <laughs> so cute. I've always loved him. Aww. I remember being at your house and we watched that movie, um, When a Man Loves a Woman, where Meg Ryan was like his alcoholic wife. And I was like, oh God, I love this man. <laughs> We could watch that. Yeah. I don't know. Something about him since I was like 10 years old. I'm like, that's my man. I am a 10 year old and I'm going to marry Andy (laughs) Garcia. (laughs) So that was my favorite part. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I didn't have anybody in this one. You didn't. That's too bad. Kevin Costner is pretty cute. Like, I was never into him or anything, mm-hmm. but in this movie, I'm like, he's a handsome guy. Yeah, I don't get it. I think he looks like a Simpsons character. Oh, which one? Ned Flanders or um, something? No, like, he looks like uh, if a movie star came to town in The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Al Capone died uh, after his heart feel. I'm sorry. After his heart failed as a result of apoplexy. Apoplexy? Apoplexy. Is that like an old word for seizure? It's from the ancient Greek, a striking away, rupture of an internal organ and the accompanying symptoms. The term formally referred to what is now called a stroke. Okay. Um, A stroke caused a heart attack what i'm just reading what's on i know what did they say okay he died after his heart gave out from apoplexy seems like it yes okay he did have syphilis but it was it was too late because they came out with penicillin for syphilis Uh, it was too late to reverse the damage in his brain but it did slow down the progression of the mm. I wonder how far along his neurosyphilis was. Yeah. Well, obviously he still had his faculties about him to be able to run this major organization, but then he also had some maniacal moments. Like whenever so. he was giving the pep talk to the boys at, <sighs> at dinner and he had this a baseball worst. bat in his hand. And he's talking about teamwork and baseball. Yeah, so he has a big fancy dinner for all of his men and they're all wearing tuxedos. And then he bashes a guy's head in. Mm -hmm. No, I covered my eyes, so I actually don't know. I know, I I looked away. I did look away because I was getting like nauseated and feeling really uncomfortable because I was like, I think he's going to hit someone in the head with his bat. Totally. Uh, and that brings, up, all. that brings up a good point it was so it was so gross and it made my stomach turn me too and you hear someone one exclaim jesus christ as it's happening and it makes it even worse because mm-hmm. uh, it feels more real to me when he says that robert de niro has consistently taught me through his movies to not trust people that have charisma Mm -hmm. because he can really lay it on thick yeah and then he turns out to be somebody who just randomly well not randomly but you know bashes some guy's head in with a baseball bat at dinner yeah while giving a speech on teamwork right and that's why I love Robert De Niro. He's pretty good. I love actors who can be so convincingly uh, likable mm-hmm. and monstrous at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a real talent. Definitely. It also makes me not trust people. 
Yeah. What is and, he like in real life? Oh, I don't know. I love him. I love his acting so much that I never looked into it. What if that's just really how he is? <laughs> I have a feeling he's um, acting. If he hasn't gotten caught yet, I have a feeling he's probably fine <laughs> at this point. Greetings. We're technically a conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory. We might use strong language. He has a twinkle in his eye. And when mm-hmm. he does, it's makes you like it makes me like him yeah and even in this as Al Capone as obviously despicable he was when he's giving that teamwork speech before you realize he's got a bat Mm -hmm. it's like I can see why people liked this guy yeah and then blammo And I mean, Cape Fear is like that too. Yeah, I keep thinking about Cape Fear. <laughs> we should do that. Oh, we should God. do that movie. Okay. Um, it's brutal though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, thanks, thanks, Robert De Niro. But it also made me realize. So a lot of times I do not think that actors are I'm not like a it takes a lot for to get me going when I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm with an actor like some you know some people get really excited when they watch movies and they get really into like thinking actors are hunks yeah uh and but I was thinking about why it is that it takes a lot for me and I realized that part of it's just because by nature I think it and no offense to actors out there but like if you're a good actor how do I know what's real (laughs) with you, man? Like really on like this very deep level. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's just kind of always in the background. So I think that's why I'm more attracted to characters in movies and not necessarily like the actor, but then you have like Kevin Costner, super fans or Andy Garcia. Super Super fan. Yeah, they said that he insisted on gaining 30 pounds to play this role to make it more accurate. Kudos to you. He did a good job. That scene was, um, so the guy that he killed in that scene was the one who had been running the factory that they um, raided when they just found all the umbrellas, I think. Mm -hmm. Or no, did they do a real, they did another one later where they actually did get stuff. Yeah. 
But either way, that guy got killed because he let his factory get raided. Mm-hmm. But that scene is based on a, a real encounter that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, there were two people that he found out were plotting or he thought were plotting to overtake him in his mm-hmm. gang. And so he um, staged like a dinner thing and he beat them to death with baseball bats. Uh, but two people. Oh gosh. At least two. From did, he, did he do all of the killing? I think he must have had someone like hold this because once you start on one, it's going to be pretty hard to get the second one. So someone had to like hold the other one and wait. Oh, that's awful. I mean, sometimes whenever I think about, I hear about this stuff and okay, so this one seems like just having listened to a lot of true crime, reading true crime, you know, all of it, like through the years, um, you get this sort of where you gloss over if you're not seeing it visually, you just gloss over like what actually happens, like Mm -hmm. the details, the gory details of the murder abuse you know and you don't like really step into it but like when you really break it like break that scene down it's like he beat two guys to death with baseball bats moving on but then it's like no wait he did that to two guys so he's got to hold him down I mean like the the amount of time that we're talking here and like Mm -hmm. how systematic and controlled it is is outrageous yeah and i think that the scene in the movie did a good job of like laying out no this is what it's really like to kill someone like it's intentional and graphic and it takes time Mm -hmm. he just bashed away at that guy's head for like a long time multiple yeah and blood splattering on him it's a long scene it's a long graphic scene and we've talked about this before of gore mm-hmm. and like showing the actual effects of suffering as opposed to just like bang bang there's a there's like a little red hole a stain on their shirt and they fall over mm-hmm. violence versus this which is fucking gore yeah which you know Brian De Palma knows how to do gore he did it and that and this scene i feel like stands out of the movie as feeling real Mm -hmm. where i feel like the rest of it has a campy feel to it like you were saying yeah um i guess sean connery dragging himself down the hallway (laughs) that wasn't very campy I was crying because I I was pretty attached to Malone. I wanted him to be my grandpapa. But (laughs) yeah. He seems like he'd be a good grandpapa. He did. So that made me really sad. It was sad. This movie is a fucking bummer. (laughs) It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I think people like really love this movie. Yes. Um, so I don't want to like dump on that or anything. It's fine. It's a cool story. 
Well, my and there's some I, good parts. When I say it's a bummer, I mean I felt bummed out watching it. Yeah, it made me sad. I don't mean mm-hmm. like this movie sucks. Like, no, I know. I'm just saying I didn't yeah. really think it was that great as much as I thought it would be from how much everyone likes it. There's films out there that are about the mob that are just beautiful untouchable untouchable yeah and i don't feel like this is one of them there's something very disorienting about it that keeps taking me out of the frame of the movie Mm -hmm. in a way that um it makes it feel like a cartoon it makes it feel like a co- this is like a comic strip to like me. batman but i mean it's fine it gets the job done i mean and... i wonder if it was intentional <laughs> i don't know i don't know i was reading that like some of the studio like did not want him to put that baby stroller scene in there and he was like i'm doing it it was like a nod to some other director that he loved Mm-hmm. and so he like saved extra film at the end so that he would have enough to put that in there um even though they didn't want him to and, and see i was like again. they were right i'm sorry <laughs> editing yeah try it out all i'm saying <laughs> he edited it in at the end so it's good it's a cool story so Apparently, Elliot and S didn't actually even really have a family at that time, mm-hmm. but that was like a big element in the movie and that they figured out where he lived and came to threaten his family. Just like, of course they would. Mm-hmm. Why would you be walking home at night with a present for your daughter to your house when fucking you're threatening Al Capone in his city? Like, that would be ridiculous. So I'm actually glad to know he didn't have a family because I feel like it, that would have been pretty irresponsible of him. Yeah, agreed. Well, they also, I think they want to show us his character, that he's mm-hmm. a, a moral, ethical person. Yeah. And that, you know, there's this other scene that I like that's subtle in this, where he finds the umbrella, Ness finds the umbrellas, and the journalist takes a picture and they kick him out but they don't take his camera Mm. he ness doesn't take the film out of the camera yeah he he isn't a bully and if he was a and it shows he's different than capone Mm -hmm. and he could have very easily taken the film out of the camera that's true. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I would. But it also served to make him look naive to have bad publicity because mm-hmm. it made Al Capone fall off his guard a little bit. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's good to play it stupid. Mm-hmm so people underestimate you yeah that's a good point this is one of our shorter yeah episodes 
We thought we thought we'd get three and a half hunks for one mm -hmm. movie. And we did. But you don't really have any time to like enjoy that because there's so much blood. <laughs> mm -hmm. My mom really liked this movie. And I saw it a few times when I was a kid. Oh, okay. But she didn't talk, she didn't like it because of the guys in it necessarily. But if she was going to pick one, it would have been Andy Garcia. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, she's smart. There's other times in other movies where she, I heard her go, Andy Garcia. Like that, with that voice. <laughs> Don't say that. You're going to ruin it for me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just meant it as like confirmation. <laughs> The, that doesn't help me oh, I don't okay. need confirmation okay especially well, yeah, from sure, a mom sure. <laughs> well I mean like which one which one would your mom have liked I don't know I'll ask her I mean I don't know probably the same I don't think she ever really liked Kevin Costner mm -hmm. you know I'm just looking at my notes and um Drago is like the real name of the actor who played Frank Nitty, the guy that killed everyone for Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally called him the accountant. The good accountant. <laughs> That's so a pretty confusing. cool name for an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that in my notes like a couple minutes ago and was like, I need to mention that I totally <laughs> misspoke. I like it. I'm Drago, the accountant. <laughs> He's what actually a cool name the anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the hitman falls off the building. Oh right. And that's another and that at the end, and that's another scene where we get to see what a stand-up guy Ness is. Because he pushes him off the building. He was gonna let him go or like to keep him alive until the account until Drago or Frank Nitty said something about Malone, right? Mm -hmm. oh because he found the matchbook or whatever that had Malone's address in it mm -hmm. so then he knew that he was the one that had killed him so then he was like all right you're going down that was cool I support that 100 percent oh yeah well he probably he wouldn't have gone to jail for it unless he wasn't paying his taxes exactly <laughs> <laughs> pay your taxes people um especially if you're gonna murder right exactly not to give tips for murder but too late you already did <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah that's all i got man yeah did you have a favorite quote or anything just the like nice guns mm -hmm. uh, not really <clears throat> i've i just found this movie very it disturbed me in a way that a lot of gangster movies don't because i love mob movies mm -hmm. and <laughs> um the music was so off that it kept pulling me out of it and then it was just gory so yeah I get it and when I was a kid I remember 
hating the baby scene. And I'd usually just like go in the other room when that came on because I hate mm-hmm. so I've always hated that. I remember liking Malone mm-hmm. and then feeling like, wait a second, <laughs> this is so depressing. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you had good judgment as a child. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't really have a favorite quote either. I wrote a something down that one of them said, but now I don't remember who, because we don't usually wait this long between recording. So yeah. that's why we're not as fresh people. I'm sorry. Yeah. We apologize. Yeah. We're like, remember that one thing? Okay. Yeah. I just write down like tidbits because usually we're doing <laughs> right. it the next day and then I can fill it in. But now it's been a long time and I'm like, what am I talking about? Yeah. I wrote down one of them said something like in the old days, if someone stole from their boss or whatever they cut off his nose and put him in a bag with a wild animal and throw him in the river <laughs> i was like dang i think ness said that wow that seems intense but yeah. they used to do stuff like that i don't know what cutting the nose off like i guess it's so that you're bleeding face. so that the wild animal will just go after your nose even Ugh. more and eat your face off i don't know Ugh. Um, I have some trivia. Yeah, go for it. So did you know, I mean, I didn't know. I like old TV, but I didn't know that this was actually a TV show in the 50s. And The Untouchables. And it was produced by Desilu Studios, Desi and Lucy. And it was based on Ness's memoir that he wrote after all this was done. And do you know who played Elliot Ness? Who? Robert Stack from oh. Unsolved Mysteries. What? Yes. Oh. I know. Wow. And he won an Emmy for it. Also, Sean Connery won an Emmy for his role in this movie, and it's the only Emmy that he ever won. Or an Oscar. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for it, and it's the only Oscar he ever won. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, so Robert Stack won an Emmy for playing Elliot Ness in this show. Um, and then... The Capone family actually sued Ricky and Lucy um, over the representation. <laughs> so, and it turns out that Desi Arnaz went to high school with Al Capone's son, Albert. Oh, I know. Crazy. That is crazy. I wonder what it would be like to be Al Capone's son. I never even knew that he had a son. I, he probably had more than he knew. Multiple. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. That would be a good series, like <laughs> Al Capone in high school. <laughs> People were getting tired of um, a lot of Italian Americans were getting pretty fed up with being portrayed as just mobsters all the time. And so that TV series was just fueling the fire. And in 1961, someone named Anthony Anastasia, he was um, a president or a member of the International Longshoremen Society. Which we always hear longshoremen and Dan and I have a joke of like, it always comes up and we're like, what is a longshoreman really? And then it, we always hear it like TV and movies and we're like, what actually are they? <laughs> I think they just work at the ports. I've looked it up and then I forget again. But I think they typically work at like ports and things like that. Like the port of New Jersey where all those barges are coming in and things. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense to any longshoremen. That I don't remember exactly what you do, but you do a lot because you're mentioned all the time. So kudos. <laughs> but anyway, this longshoreman boycotted LM 
and Chesterfield Cigarettes, who were big advertisers on the show because of defamation against Italian-Americans. And then finally, Desi agreed to do no more fictional hoodlums with Italian names. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that's nice. That was mine. And then the other little teeny bit of trivia was that they actually thought of making a prequel to this movie and having Nicolas Cage star as Al Capone. (laughs) And then also Robert Stack's real name is Charles Langford Modini Stack. Whoa. (laughs) Now he's even cooler. I know. Modini. That's it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And the question for this episode is, are you or are you friends with or do you know a longshoreman? And what do you do and tell me? (laughs) (laughs) Write to us at coveredpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Anything else? Um, Is your, do you have a parent who's a criminal? Write to us at coveredpodcast.com. No, that's not right. <laughs> <At Gmail. laughs> yeah so that was a short and sweet one um we apologize for inaccuracies and lack of information <laughs> but sometimes it happens um the like, next one will be better <laughs> this episode is like whenever somebody says you know that one actor with the hair <laughs> yeah it feels kind of like um when you wake up in the morning and then you realize you have a book report too and you didn't read the book this is that episode but I did read the book but it was so long ago I forgot the details exactly and that's what happened but I mean everyone knows the story yeah it's, sure they can fill in the details it's history it's okay. history it's history with hunks. Yeah. And this um, the real people history. were not hunks, by the way. I did look oh. it up. Just... Oh, good one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Elliot Ness was okay. He was like, yeah. you know, not that that matters at all, but just yeah, I like no. to compare them to the the way that they're yeah. cast. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so you don't think out? You don't think Al Capone's a hunk? <laughs> a hunk of shit. <laughs> You know, okay, and herein lies my problem with the term hunk in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. A hunk of what? Mm-hmm. Like, is that like a hunk of burning love? Burn oh, maybe it's a hunk, a hunk of a hunk of burning, burning love. Did that come from Elvis's song? Is this like where that came from? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you know, right to us at Cover Your Eyes. <laughs> podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. all right <laughs> okay you guys thanks for listening um thanks for bearing with us through this episode um you can listen if you like it you can rate review and subscribe you can join our patreon holly's always working her cute little tail off Aww. making content adding content keeping it updated and um there's different levels and you'll get your money's worth i promise (laughs) thank you for listening and we love you and appreciate you and we'll see you next tuesday bye
women will sleep with you if you write a bad book. <laughs> <laughs> Is that in the movie? No. <laughs>